When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowance and I'm joined this evening by John Townley after Aston Villa have won once again in the Premier League. That's five wins now for Unai Emery in seven games and three away wins on the road. The first manager to do that since John Gregory in 1997, I think. Um, John you weren't even born. I was just about born. It's been a, a long time coming and Villa actually put some consistent wins together. Um, just before we started here, I said my cheeks look very rosy for some reason, but maybe it's just because I'm excited that Villa are, are winning even when they don't play particularly well. Uh, how are you, my friend? You okay? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. I'm much better after we've won at Southampton. It, it was going... Uh, well, I mean, obviously we were drawing the game and we get we get the, uh, the lucky sort of VAR decision, I'd say. Um but no, another really good win. Uh, the performances we'll get into wasn't you know, particularly pretty, but that's just say five five wins out of seven, and we're only going to get better now under an IMR. And what are we three points out of sixth place as as we record? So it's um it's nice to win games, but knowing that things are going to get even better, as I say, that's um really exciting. Yeah, I was half preparing myself mentally to come on here and talking about Aston Villa nil, Southampton nil, or that they've nicked a winner and we've played played poorly and had the final cutting edge and how disappointing it is to to not get something against bottom of the league. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, Douglas Louise whips it in Foley Watkins and you go, Oh yeah, we've got this, it's fine, let's all just calm down and relax. <laughs> let's talk about another win. Um We'll talk about the VAR decision and the offside goals and, and the drone stuff. It's a very strange game this afternoon with a, a lot of talking points. Um, let's do what we do first of all, as we always do first of all, then go back to team news time. Um, unchanged team in the sense that Moreno came on in the last game early on and that's the way we ended the game and that's the way we started today. But you look at the bench and you think, oh, we're light here. We have got to make signings. There's two goalkeepers. There's two youngsters. You're looking at it going, if we've got to make changes in an attacking area, there's no experience there. You rely on Coutinho to do something or Matty Cash to do something from the right wing, potentially. So we have we do need to make a couple of signings this window, ideally, to get, to get some depth back in there. Um, but overall, that's the team that we're going with. That's the starting 11 now when, when available. And... The more games they get together, the more we kind of tick along with training sessions. That is a solid start in 11, I think. It's just we need a bit of depth as well. Yeah, and I think the only sort of alteration that could be made in that team is Matty Cash coming in for Ashley Young. But, mm. and, and we'll go on to it before, Ashley Young was excellent again today. And you can't take him out of the team when he's playing like that. Um, mm. So Matty Cash is going to have to win his shirt back somehow. Uh, but no, on the bench, that is that is an issue. Uh, because, as you said, the only player that we can bring off the off the bench to maybe change the game would probably be Felipe Coutinho. And we know that Coutinho isn't... Uh, in the best form, he's got like one goal, one goal contribution in nearly 30 games now. Um <sighs> You know, staggering. That's nearly a full season. So, uh, yeah, that's probably not going to change the game for you if you need it. And we did bring him on today. He came on before we scored the goal, I believe. I think uh, so. But he didn't make much of an impact. Uh, so that is a bit of an issue moving forward. But luckily, we didn't need that today. And it was a set piece that won us the game. I mean, we looked solid, to be fair. Uh, 
you know, off off the ball again. We are always going to be organised under Emery, but we haven't kept many clean sheets. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Tottenham, we obviously kept a clean sheet. In this one, we kept a clean sheet too. I think was, was that I think that's the only clean sheet we've had under Emery, actually, in the seven Premier League games, unless I'm mistaken. I can't think of any, any more, unless there's a game that I'm missing. Uh, but no, yeah, a really good... Um, more so, you know, the three points in performance, I'd say. Uh, so we move forward and we're always improving, which is the main positive for me. Uh, but no, certainly things to dwell on over the next two weeks. And mm. you know, thankfully, the transfer market is still open. Um, Emery, we know, wants to bring in players that are going to improve the 11, is what he said. Uh, in January, that's very difficult. So I do wonder what we're going to do because... You know, for example, a Musa Dembele, does he improve the team? Yes, he does. Does he improve the 11 possibly? But I think we're looking for a level up because we're ultimately we're trying to get into the top six, top seven, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, can't really do that in January. So in terms of getting players that are you know, going to cost a lot of money. So um, maybe we'll get a Dembele and something like that until the end of the season and then revise where we are again. Because looking at the bench, you say two goalkeepers, a couple of uh, youngsters and no striker really. Um, that is a bit of an issue. Maybe we should have kept Archer around just as an extra body. Uh, but we'll see how things unfold in the next two weeks. But it's nice not to be dwelling on anything other than three points again. That's two wins out of two. Um, so, yeah, onwards and upwards again. And five wins out of seven. Really, really a positive start for Emery. Yeah, the perks of doing this live, by the way, is that one, I can research things in, an, in another tab. And also we've got the comments who will always um, put us in, in the right direction. Clean sheet against Tottenham. As well, and through nine, yeah, race, uh, yeah. a, a two nil. Yeah. Um, also mentioning about when the injuries come back, obviously McGinn, Carlos, John Duran, uh, Luca Dean. That would strengthen the bench as well, of course. But still, a couple of players you still need in there. I think uh, yeah. because it only takes two or three injuries where you're going. And now there's two goalkeepers and two kids on the bench. So you know we've got depth, but only to an extent. Exactly that. Is, that that's the point. You you need two players per position. And yes, John Duran's coming in. Um, but that's a player that's improving. That's only played one season in is MLS top flight football, probably not. Um, so he's completely improving. Obviously, we spent a lot of money on him, but we're buying potential, aren't we? And mm. although the season is, you know, we're only halfway through. So yes, we're three points out of top six. But if Watkins picks up an injury or goes through a bad run of form or whatever it may be, Leon Bailey gets injured. Either one of them, you take out the team, and we're um. You know, all of a sudden you've got Wendell at the top of the pitch, and then that affects midfield. It's you know different problems because our squad is so tight right now. So yeah, definitely need to probably delve into the transfer market. But as I say, judging by Emery's comments and what we've heard so far, I don't know if they will. Um, they might try and just plod along until the end of the season. But it's not as if we're ten games from the end, is it? We're you know a lot <laughs> as well. And we want to finish in the top ten. We want to be competitive. And in a season where Liverpool and Chelsea have been so poor. Um, other teams as well. Your Brentford and Brighton's—they're doing really well, of course. But there's, you know, we we beat Brighton away from home, and uh, and we beat Brentford four 0 at home. So we've shown that we can at least compete with them and play well. So yeah, there's a long way to go in the season yet. So I wonder how or if we're going to change our approach and you know say what's going to come in the next ten days. It's only ten days remaining now of of the window. Um, yeah, somebody saying let's let's think about the positives that we've got right now rather than looking where we need to improve. But again, if we just sit here and go, it's a great win, it's a great result away from home. We've got three points. That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> we've got nothing else to say. Like, let's try to analyse it a little bit further than that. Um, just talking through the game, we talked about the VIR stuff early on and the drone and, and whatever else. But regardless of all those, and we will get into them. 
I feel like that game is a, is a kind of perfect example of a game that we'd lose under Steven Gerrard. We lose under a lot of the managers that we've had in recent years, to be honest. And I, I don't know, as average you know, man down the pub fan analysis, what Unai Emery specifically has done to change Villa already in that sense. Um, but that's the, that, that game and the Leeds game and possibly one of the others earlier on in the season under Emery as well. We've sat on the podcast after and gone, well, in an alternative universe, we lose that. And today, I feel like it's the perfect example of the yes, that that first um, uh, Southampton goal is clearly offside, which is fair enough. But you kind of go mm, maybe heads drop a little bit. The second goal with the VAR, um, again, we'll talk about it in a sec. I'm not sure whether that's a, a bit soft. I think if you see the way around, I'm going, oh, that's a bit harsh. But you know, the rules are the rules. Again, heads maybe drop. You look at Villa yourself, and you're not being clinical. You're not making chances. Yes, you've got seventy odd percent possession, but you're not doing anything with it. In other in other games and in other seasons, that's a nil nil or Southampton come again for the third time and win one nil and this is a totally different show because we're talking about something how disappointing it is and what a missed opportunity it is. So what Unai Emery specifically has done, what what tangible thing I can say this is the reason why we're now different. I don't know. I don't know whether you can tell me, but yeah, something's changed. Something's different. And in any other season gone by in the last five ten years we lose today, but we don't win. So to get five wins from seven, I don't know what he's changed already, whether it's mindset or mentality or or whether it is tactical tweaks in game. If this is the beginning of Unai Emery, five and seven, like you said at the start, this is the, in theory, this is the worst we're going to be under Unai Emery. So if this yeah. is the start, 16 points out of 21, is it? What's, what's yes. the rest of the season got? What's next season got? What has the next five years got? That's where the excitement lies for me. Bang on. I think both help each other in terms of the mentality and how he's changed things. And yesterday, I, you know, I think we were lucky today. I think we were lucky against Leeds as well. I don't think the performances have been particularly brilliant. Um, but we're coming out with six points out of those two games. But I think it's obviously mainly the organisation. I know Gerard when he first came in, he said we need to be better off the ball and we need to be possession-based. But he couldn't do it. Emery hasn't said all those things yet, but we know that that's what we want to become. And when you go to any team in the Premier League, Villa, when's the last time we've kept, I don't know if AVFC stats or not, I've no idea. Um, when's the last time we kept nearly 75% of the ball in the first half of an away game? Yeah. That doesn't come with us playing in, I don't know, an at expansive... home even? <laughs> when was the last time we did that at home? Never mind, away. In, a, in an expansive formation, that, that won't happen. So Emery's got us tight, he's, he's say, well-organised, well-drilled. Leon Bailey's interview in the week was good because he's, you know, every player knows what they need to do in the team. And, you know, like, I'm, any Premier League manager, including Steven Gerrard, would like to think that he's told his players what to do, but it's another thing doing it, and what you see on the pitch is what you get. And at the moment, um, Emery's clearly got buy-in from the players. His instructions are um, clear, concise, and they're getting, uh, you know, we're getting the rewards from that. And that's why I think we're staying in these games, and yes, you get your own luck, but then you need to make use of it. We win a free kick, it's a good ball in from Louise, uh, and Ollie Watkins is just about on side, but I feel, feel like we're in their game because we have, as I say, 70% of the ball in the first half. We controlled it and dominated it and we're clearly the better team. I don't think we then come into the second half thinking, oh, let's now sit back or whatever it may be. Although we weren't brilliant in the second half, in moments we can have belief that we can win the game still because we've already had 40, 50 minutes of dominance over a team. And Southampton are bottom of the league. I don't think they're the worst team in the Premier League at the moment. But... They're still a Premier League team and Villa don't, or in the last three years, we, when I say when was the last time we went to any team and sort of played them off the park in the first half. Mm. Um, Trance creation wasn't really there, but that's because, you know, 
probably players that we have at the moment aren't you know a top six quality team we're not there yet but in terms of what Emery is drilling into the team it's clearly working and we're seeing the benefits of that um, so yeah I think it's more so the mentality shift has happened because we're now organised and because we have belief that we can stay in games keep clean sheets and then get a goal if we need to because we still have quality players and I've said it before when when you're defending we have a low block uh, not a low block we have uh, four or five players strung across the midfield almost like a 4-4-2 and it's very hard to team, for teams to break us down but then going the other way if you're a midfielder or an attacking player you pick your head up you're usually three or four of the players there um, mm. because you've got a uh, uh, a Buendir, Jacob Ramsey, and then two forwards, uh, Bailey and Watkins. There's always options. So it works both ways and it sounds really simple. But whatever he's, whatever Emery's telling his players, uh, it's clearly working uh, and working really well at the moment. And yes, we've got our look today. But I think we said before the podcast, Dan, us Villa fans have probably got to get used to that. Like It's it's a mentality thing yeah. for us. and Well, for me anyway, going into or coming after a game thinking, wow, we got away with that one. And I always feel like... a. You know, I want to celebrate, but oh, but I'm not too sure because Leeds, we got lucky. We lost to Stevenage, and we, you know, got lucky today. Is you know, as I say, not lucky, but and that's a mentality shift because top six teams, when they win, they might not play at their best, and they might get lucky against a Brentford, but they've won the game, and that's normal for them. So, hopefully, in the future, winning will be more normalised for us. But right mm. now, you have a feeling of, well, we've kind of got away with that. But I suppose that's what that, elite teams do, don't they? That they they get over the line in whatever whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, instances yeah. they have to. Just yeah. very quickly, uh, AVS's data always delivers. Our highest possession in a single game since promotion was 72% in a 1-0 win over Sheffield United in 2020, which must have been uh, the Project Restart game, maybe? Was that the Sheffield United ghost goal Neyland one, maybe? Uh, that, or the start of the next season, start, maybe? The season, yeah. The, yeah. Martins, uh, maybe, I think. Yeah, possibly. Um, I just wanted to read the, the opening to JMO Rushton's uh, newsletter, which is titled Curse Lifted as Emery's Villa Sow the Threads of European Football. I'll just read the first paragraph or so. How many times have you seen that match lost by a flagging Aston Villa side? Well, I don't have to tell you, dear reader, how many times the Villa have turned up in an away stadium in their third shirt only to fall apart. It's those games that define entire seasons. They'd usually be against a Southampton or a Brighton or Sheffield United. 3pm away kickoffs where the sun fled early and hope soon followed. Everyone gets one, a bogey tie. You can't win every single football match and in every away fixture, the opposition crowd can be a great equaliser no matter the quality of the visiting team. However, better teams see more of those out. Teams like Aston Villa simply do not turn up in them. For teams like Villa, consider it a curse, let alone a tough tie away from B6. Not anymore, curse lifted. And the full oh. thing you can read, and I'll put a link below. It's written lovely, uh, written lovely. <laughs> it's written very well and a lovely read, I should say. I've put the link in the uh, YouTube comments and the Facebook comments down below. It's called House of V, James, Russian, James Russian's newsletter. Uh, I love Russian's writing, and it's well backed up with stats as well. But just that opening, I was reading it before we started, and, and that's what it does feel like. It feels like it's this curse and this villa thing that you sit there and go, uh, well, we haven't played great and we've got away with it, but the next game, if we don't play great, we'll probably lose and we'll go down this spiral. But it's a, it is like a curse list lifted and it's a mentality shift that we'll have to have. You know, We were talking off air, maybe it's just you and me, but it feels like a Villa fan thing to sit there and think, oh, we've got away with it, we've not played well, we'll take the three points and move on, but there's concerns there niggling away in the back of my mind. Maybe that's just what we are now. We'll grind games out. We'll get points out of nowhere. We'll we'll come away from games going. Oh, we probably didn't deserve that, but we win. We'll take it in the bag and move on to the next game. Sixteen points from twenty-one. 
is top six form, isn't it? It's not. I mean, yeah. me and Neil did the podcast in the week, and we descended into a conversation based off the comments about relegation. I don't know why we talked about it for so long. Well, so I, don't, I, don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't even deem it a realistic possibility, but I thought I've got to play both sides of the coin. There's people in the comments talking about, you know, we've sold Danny Ings and we might need a few more goals to, to kind of get ourselves over the line. Yeah. And I was saying, well, we've got 25 points in the first half of the season. Yeah. Stephen Gerrard was responsible for 13 games of that first half of the season where you can basically throw all of those away. I think it's something like... Uh, Seven or eight points from from Gerard, and then twelve or something from Emery, and that you know that that, that split in uh, much lesser games. And I was saying that there's absolutely no way that Villa don't get at least fifty points this season because we're halfway through. We've got twenty five halfway through again. First half of the season was pathetic. Surely, you know, Emery gets at least twenty five points in the next nineteen games. Starts off with game number one of the second half of the season today and gets three more. So yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, Villa end up with 50 odd points at least. I'm backing that prediction. I'm still going with it. Um, but for those fans that still are always looking over their shoulder, that's 28 points now. It's, you know, you need, say, if you need 40 to be safe, that's only 11 more we need. You also have on about 35 this season. So let's forget about relegation if anyone still has any kind of worries. Clearly, you are. It's frankly <laughs> ridiculous to even think about it. Um, yeah. But now Villa in this position where it is a mentality shift and is about looking forwards instead of looking over your shoulder. And Villa, it starts slightly annoys me to win games and still not move anywhere up the league. We're still 11th because Chelsea have got another point. But to have 28 points and sit in 11th and you're looking at Fulham being on 31 and Brighton being on 30, 31 as well. Like you said, we beat Brentford, we beat Brighton. We've got 18 games to go. Now, there's a lot of people almost writing this season off at one stage going, well, we're not going to go down. We're not going to get in the top six. We're not going to get in the top eight. If we finish somewhere between 12th and 10th, that's fine. There's now this slight realistic possibility that Villa put a run together and do achieve something. Now, we're not in either trophy anymore, so we can't we can't win one of those. But if you can get to 50, 55 points, 60 points, who knows where that that ends up this season. Who knows what seventh gets you, what eighth gets you, depending on who goes on to win the trophy. It's not out of the realms of possibility that Villa finish seventh or eighth and still get into some kind of European football, is what I'm saying. So at one stage, you almost go, well, let's maybe write this season off and think about Unai Emery next season. Let him build. Let's take it steady. Let's be patient. I'm now sitting here on the 21st of January going, we might get into Europe this year. And that's the positivity I want to be talking about. I don't want to be looking over my shoulder like, like some people are. Let's look forward. Let's look ahead. And let's see where we can go this season, never mind the next two or three years. Yeah, I mean, it's worth dreaming. Um, You've got to, I mean, you know, what's the point following football if you're not yeah, going to get excited? And I have said at the, at the top of the show, though, um, like Liverpool and Chelsea, it's a mid, they've, they've played a mid-table clash today, which is probably never going to happen again. Um, I'm still going to take a top 10 because, as I say, we've won five out of seven and this is the worst we're probably going to be. And I know it's like a new manager bounce, so we're going to have spells where we don't win in four games or whatever. Um, but the points returned, considering the level that we're at and the players that we have right now, who only one of them is a new Nyamari signing, uh, hmm. bodes extremely well. Um, again, I'm not going to get too ahead of myself yet because while there is a lot of... Uh, sorry, not many points... Um, stopping us from being in sixth there's a lot of teams you know how many is that five teams yeah. so um so there's a lot of traffic that, that that's the only issue uh but it's um yeah it's uh so really positive that we got the win today and we can move forward with it but don't i'm not gonna get too giddy and set expectations i think let's just see how we go uh, uh, you know uh, we had the uh the list of like the next six games a couple of weeks ago didn't we dan and we had like wolves the uh mm. league 
Southampton, Stevenage, and Leicester as well. And I think in that, and we were saying we will. You probably want to get three points out of all of those games, but it's not a case that you're just going to win six games on the trot. Some whatever reason it doesn't happen. And to be fair, we've actually got more points than I thought we'd get out of it because. Yeah. <laughs> teams that uh, we probably should be winning it doesn't work like that it's you know football doesn't work like that and Leicester have got a, did they draw today I think against Brighton um, I think. yeah and they've been in a really bad run of form got them next obviously in two weeks um, but the point I'm trying to make is you've got to take every game as it comes this season the next season that's when you can really set yourselves targets and really go for tops uh, the top seven Emery will get back to the summer as well uh, but for now just knowing that we have an elite manager and it's actually working and we're seeing it straight away uh, there's loads of positivity that can come out of that and going into next season and or, you say towards the back end of this season as well like if we can just have a push let's just go for it because we can't go wrong really you know let's try and finish top seven uh, top ten sorry but because there's so much traffic you never know it could be a difference between two or three points to get into Europe which mm, can yeah. three games so yeah Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When I talk about points totals, and I was saying in the last show about Villa will get at least 50 points this season because 25 in the first half with, with Steven Gerrard, give Emery half a season with a bit of momentum, as the momentum we've already got now with five and seven, surely we'll get at least another 25 points in the second half. If we're talking about trying to predict the next three or four games, let's predict the next 18, 19. How many points is realistic, do you think, for the next half of the season because somebody just said in the comments that last season 57 points got you seventh place now, I don't know whether that's true or not but I'm going to take it as you know face value just because someone said it let's go, let's go with it but it's about right isn't it mid 50s gets you up around top eight or so so if that's the target internally mid 50s because of how tight it is you don't know what that's going to achieve it could be could be seventh could be sixth could be tenth if it's a very competitive top yeah. half but it feels like Liverpool and Chelsea not being what they should be is a, a bit of a kind of rogue um, variable in there. Brighton, yeah. Brentford and Fulham being the teams in 6th, 7th and 8th at the moment. 6th, uh, 7th and ninth. sorry. You look at them and think, well, are they going to do exactly the same in the second half that they've done in the first half of the season? Will Brighton be as good for the next 19 games? Will, will Fulham drop off at some point? So I'm kind of looking at it going, well, will I get 55 points? who knows what position that will end up with. And that doesn't seem like an outrageous points target at this stage. And that will be our best points finish since obviously Dean Smith got 55, but before then Martin O'Neill in sixth place. So I almost feel like aim for 56 points, get your best finish for 10 years or so. And there's a possibility that gets you into eighth, seventh place and possibly European football. I think that'll probably be the target. It'll be what it was last year. Uh, obviously, you know, so break, break the points total that we've had for so many years, get top 10 anyway, because we haven't done that in, what, like 11 years now. Uh, but can you reach the target that was set last year in terms of European football? That would be, that would show a good sign because then next year, you'd expect Almost to... Almost ahead of schedule. Yeah, and next year, the automatically the target would be more points than what we have this year because we've had a third of the season uh, not with Unaimri. So mm. that would make sense to me. Um, but again, until the end of this season... 
we are very light. I would like to see what we do in the next 10 days. If we sign again, Doozy, if we sign a striker, and I'm not asking for anything, by the way, because so I'd rather sign the right players, and that's what Emery will do. Yeah. If he has to, he'll be patient. And that's the right uh, way to play things. But if we if he can get his targets over the line in the next you know ten days, which it will be a big ask. But if he does, then that probably changes perspective as well. You know, then I am thinking, oh, well, all of a sudden we've got half a season to have a crack at um, the top seven. Or you're almost playing from the same position then because we're so tight with four or five teams above us. It's almost like a all right between us between this little cluster of teams below the top six and above the top half it's like a mini season between between us and them you know just say Fulham have been really good up until now Brighton have been really good up until now so Brentford we've been not very good up until about a couple of weeks ago or you know not a couple of weeks ago until about five or six games ago so maybe this is our turn now to have our run mm. of four. Um, so that's a really good point and just say players coming in potentially could change that so not that I'm not answering the question, but I think it depends on who we sign over the next uh, you know, 10 days because, again, we are a couple of injuries away from having a team that wouldn't be able to compete for that, I don't think. Hmm. There's a couple of comments saying take it one game at a time, and I, I agree. That is how you do it in football, but as a fan, you've got to look, kind of start to look ahead a little bit. There's now two-week breaks until the next game because of no FA Cup, so it is a talking point to try and guess the rest of the season I guess but I do understand taking one game at a time beat Leicester <laughs> and then let's talk about beating the game after that yeah. um, let's talk about that VAR decision then a little bit again it feels a little bit futile because whatever we say about this ultimately it doesn't matter it went in Villa's favour and we won 1-0 so let's not get too kind of caught up in it I put on Twitter during the game that I felt like we got away with it a little bit now he might have made contact with his heel or there might have been a shove in the arm, whatever. But if that's given against us and we lose the game 1-0 because we have a goal ruled out and they've scored in that manner, I'd be fuming with that. Yeah. So it might be the rule book and it might be the letter of the law that that is a foul. And if it's anywhere on the pitch, maybe it is a foul and you go, yeah, yeah fair enough, let's carry on, play on. But I don't know, I just feel like we got away with one a little bit. And like I said, if that was against us, I'd be feeling a little bit miffed going, was there really enough there for Ramsey to go down? Probably not, but if that's the rules, that's the rules. Yeah, it's it's not a foul. Um, we've got away with one. There's no other way of talking about it. Like you, we can go on about oh, but his arms on his back. But it's I have like a rule of um, I forgot where I hear it now. But uh, I have a rule of if you're at a bar and you're, and you're holding like a holding some pints or whatever, whatever <laughs> the contact is, if that's enough contact to send to the floor when you're trying to hold your pints, then it's a penalty. If it's not, like do you know what I mean? If Ramsey's been pushing the back like that ever so slightly and he's holding his pints at the bar and he doesn't fall over, it's not a penalty. He's rolled to fall over. I'm not saying he's like dived, but he's he's bought the contact and it's not a foul. And that's how I rule it. If it's not enough to, to send you to the floor when you're holding your pints at the bar, it's not a foul, is it? Because you've bought it. So yeah, it, no one wants to well, today I'd like to see that goal being rolled out when it was. But in any other game, you can't have goals ruled out for contact that's that soft. And what about the ankle thing, though? That's what all the comments saying that there's this contact well, with the ankle, the studs on the ankle. I was thinking, but again, goals ruled out for that. Really, he hasn't meant to clip him over, and you know, no, it's a no for me. I, I think it's a clear goal. I don't really don't. No, I'm not buying it. Uh, I think yeah, Ramsey. This is what I mean. If that's if that's the other way around, yeah, yeah. we're all going. Oh well, yeah, there might have been a slight contact, but come on, that's not going to change the, change the outcome of that goal. Well, it's, yeah. it's, it's, the it, the shot comes in the next day and it's deflected anyway and it bounces over and it's all a bit it's all a bit mishmashy together. It's in, it's in a, a slow motion as well, which I don't like. I mean, again, we're talking as Villa fans in. This is after the yeah. event, um, but Ultimate in slow motion, it's all 
Well, of course, you're going to find contact in slow motion. You could probably pick a hundred fouls in a game more than what mm. you do. If you, yeah, I don't like it at all. And if that's imagine being at Villa Park and that's I don't know last minute against someone to win the game, and then everyone's looking around thinking what's going on. You don't need it. Like, yeah. I like I do agree with VR. I think it needs to be in the game because it does sort things out. But the efficient out of it is incorrect sometimes for me and I think that was an incorrect decision because I don't know how he can rule a goal out that could have that could be the difference for Southampton to stay up and this is me mm. being like a neutral journalist I suppose but <laughs> I mean I, no for me um, yeah I'll feel the same as you yeah. uh, I, don't, I, I, I don't can rule that out it's not really um, it's not in the sort of uh, nah not for me. Again, it's one of those ones that's the, it's like the handball rule, isn't it? It's the letter of the law. There's any contact with the ankle, the ref can say it's a foul. If that's happened anywhere else on the pitch and it's a foul, then it is. So if it happens in a goal um, phase of play, you can rule the goal out for it. But like I said, if that's the other way around, I'll be absolutely fuming with that. And if that's enough contact to be deemed as a foul, what are VAR not spotting for us not to get two penalties? Yeah, that's the that's the other point. If that's a... Um... Yeah, ex- exactly that. If it's enough contact to to not be a foul, then yeah. It's, so it's, again, it, it's inconsistencies, and no one really wants to talk about refs when we've won the game. But it's true. I mean, the first one was uh, did Bazuno get a hand on that? When the, the commentary team I was watching on whatever stream I was watching on was saying, "Oh, well, the ball's deviated off in the other way, so the keeper must have touched it." But I don't know whether it was as clear cut as that. I think he probably touched it, which is probably enough because. Is Ramsey, you know, in, I'd, I'd probably say no. I think the second one was certainly more of a shout. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, again, I think it was Ramsey again, wasn't it, that was involved? Mm. Is it the centre of all of it? Um, but again, I think it's one of those where he's, I think the ref knows he's trying to buy it because he's let the ball roll across him, which he wouldn't have done if the defender wasn't there. Uh, mm. He wasn't shielding the ball, was he? He was almost shielding nothing to fall over. So I think if he got a foot on the ball and then went over, then it would probably be a penalty because he's clearly in control of it. But because of that, I don't think it was worth them you know, rechecking, uh, by the way, contentious decisions. We probably, sh- if, if you had both decisions, we probably should have had a penalty somewhere. Um, well, yeah. But, yeah. yeah if, there's enough, if there's enough contact to say it's a foul to rule out the goal, then it must be enough contact to say that one of those is a penalty. So if we yeah. didn't get the penalties, we do get the decision to rule out the goal and we eventually were 1-0. So happy days as a Villa fan. Why are we even debating it? doesn't matter, does it? We've got away with it. Oh, I'm happy with that. Um but I suppose that, that that comes with the the conversation of we're winning in this ugly way and it's substance over style and all these kind of things that we've talked about a couple of times since Emery's come and some discussion about how Villa see out games and the time wasting and things like that and I want to see entertaining football. I'm in in amongst the same mindset that I was the last time we spoke about it and I'll take a win in any fashion, whether it be that we've got away with a, a VAR decision or we've nicked it with a, you know loads of possession, but not, not many chances, but we've scored 1-0 with a, a Watkins header. I'll take that. I'll, I want us to win in any case, however however they do it. So to get five wins out of seven is something that we've not seen from Aston Villa since the Championship days, which is a different kettle of fish because it's a different different level. Um, the Villa to be this consistent already under an Iron Ring, how we said at the start that it's almost a you'd expect this to be the worst we'll be under Emery because we'll get better under him as time goes on. It's exciting to to think where Villa might be in 18 games time at the end of the season rather than always looking at five and seven. Is it going to be six and eight next? Is it going to be seven out of ten? If you, we said, I think we, you and me said it on the last show that we did. If you can always win two out of three or whatever it is or you get five points out of 
yeah. nine, <laughs> whatever the, the ratio is. Group your wins to get. I know yeah, you over the course of the season, that's going to be sixty points out of a hundred, or you know, whatever the ratio ends up being. So, Villa are heading in the right direction, and I don't really care how it's done at this stage. Whether we have to grind teams out, whether we have to sit back and defend, whether we only play on the counter attack and make one chance and score and win one nil, I don't really care at this point. I want Villa to win as many games as possible. And you follow that with Leicester in a couple of weeks' time. It's a home game. We win 1-0 and it goes off Toraming's backside. I don't care. Do Again, not care one bit. Yeah, and I think it proves about it proves where we've been over the last three years. Because like you look at Tottenham, for example, this season, the fans hate the football that they're watching. They're not convinced with Conte. But up until a couple of weeks ago, they were sitting in fourth with the best start they've ever made or something up until the last game that they played. Um, that they lost to City. And... Uh, but we're almost the opposite. We're happy to take uh, the points and sacrifice the performances or whatever it may be. But we have to do that anyway. I remember it was after Brighton. There was a couple of fans, which was a bit weird. Um, well, we had respect the opinion, but I thought it was strange. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought it was strange that it was like, a, oh, we you know slugged it out for like 30 minutes. We sh- it's like a bit embarrassing that we have to do that or whatever it may be. That's respecting your opponent. Brighton are a really good team. And today like, against Southampton, we didn't have to do that because we scored late and fair surprise Martinez didn't get a booking because he usually does in the later mm. bits of the game. Um, but you got to do what you got to do to win the game and as I say today, we, we weren't great in the performance and that's another sort of topic. But away from home, we've won three out of three now. That's, mm-hmm. uh, I don't th- we've, we haven't won three away games since like 2021 or 2020, I think. Uh, 20 or so somewhere. Yeah, first, um, yeah, 2020, since uh, November 2020. Um and then we'd only won three of their pre won three of our previous fifteen on the road before that as well. So the point being that if you're going to nick wins on the uh, on the road, you take them because then at home that's where you can you know play some flashy football, get the Villa Park crowd up, and you can you know do what you will there. But on the road, if you just get your points, then great. Because I always look at it and think any home game that Villa play, if you're going to lose a home game, it's always it, it just leaves a bit of taste in your mouth for a while, doesn't it? Mm. And for us to go to anywhere and win. That's how it feels as an opposition fan. So they're thinking about, oh, but we lost to Villa at home. And, you know, so we're not going to blow teams away 4-0 and play, you know, swashbuckling football. At home, we can do that if we can or over the next whatever, however long. Um, but away from home, you get your wins, you know, say chip up, uh, chip them away. And at the end of the season, that's where it uh, comes up um, and, and plays in your favour. And you've all of a sudden got, what, 15, 20 points more than what you would have had because of your away points and that's the difference mm-hmm. a big difference between probably finishing either in the bottom half or potentially in Europe and that's probably something that we'll see at the end of the season as well because say we've won three on the road under Gerard, we hadn't won away from home this season and before then last season as well we weren't particularly great we'd won at Burnley and won at a couple of places but we weren't you know prolific on the road were we so again that's mm-hmm. a mentality thing players going away from home away from Villa Park and we're getting results, so that's good. There's two comments here from one from Richard and one from Paul. So both both said that we controlled the game. Paul says we controlled the game. Did you leave the room? Great game management. You blokes do my head in. That's fair enough. But we are saying the same thing. Villa did control the game, but it's not perfect. Yeah, yeah. If we just yeah, sit and go, Villa, Villa played well and won one nil. Thank you for watching. That's the end of the show. We've got to look into it a little bit deeper than that. And like you said at the start, Leeds game could have gone very differently. Today could have gone very differently. And you got Stevenage as well. And you're talking about three games there that haven't been particularly great. Kind of forget Stevens a little bit, but the other two, two wins in the Premier League, that's massive. It takes us up, doesn't take us up the leagues, we're still 11th, but points wise, it propels us in the right direction. But it's not perfect. There's still something lacking. 
with Villa, and I don't know what it is quite yet. It's always the final ball or the killer finish. We play some nice football at times. We really do. And you, you we're pinging it around and you think, I've not seen us do stuff like that for a while. But then it gets to Bailey or Watkins or Buendia and the final ball to the striker is poor or the finish is terrible. And you think, ultimately, none of that matters today because we won. And we won last but week. It, but it would be but the going first. forward, it oh, will be a problem at some point if it isn't fixed. The thing is, Emery will fix it at some stage. That's the positive thing. So for now, we might not be perfect, but we are winning games. Going forward, Emery will tweak those things and adjust it. And next season, or the parts of this season, we will blow teams away. We will play good, expansive football, and the finish at the end will go in. And it'll be Villa good here, Villa, Villa cooking. At the moment, it's still not quite there. But we've won one nil against bottom of the league, and that's a potential banana skin. So I'm happy, I'm I'm glad, and I'll, I'll absolutely take that. But we can't just go Villa one. We're happy, we move on because there's more to it than that. Yeah, but I don't yeah, also don't want to be oh he's so negative, so boring. It's it, it we're seeing progress, but we're not the finished article. That's what I'm trying to say. But I'm trusting Emery with what we've seen so far that we will be the finished article. It's just going to take time, and at the moment I'm happy, but. We need a bit more because Watkins isn't always going to cut it. Bailey isn't always going to cut it. Buendia, there's work to be done. But in in seasons gone by, we don't win today and we didn't win last week. And we are talking about three poor defeats in a spin in Stevenage, Leeds and and Southampton. So we're winning ugly. That's fine by me. But I will want to see more than that in 12 months' time. But as long as we're still winning, we're getting to Europe. Don't we care? (laughs) Yeah, and that will come. As you say, at the moment, we're in this stage of Emery's had seven games, seven Premier League games. We're still getting used to what he wants and we're still winning. So, as you say, this is probably, I don't want to say the worst because we have played well today, as we've mentioned earlier. We had 70% of the ball or something in the first half. We're dominating teams, uh, which we hadn't seen before. So, there are positives. It's just the point that if we hadn't won today and we hadn't been at the bottom of the league, then there would be shouts of, oh, we're far too light. We need to spend X amount of money in January, uh, mm-hmm. final weeks of January and the squads, you know, this and that. And we haven't beaten Wolves. We haven't beaten uh, Southampton. And yeah, we have had a stroke of luck today, but that's because we deserved it. But we can't get that every week. And we know we're going to improve. It, they're just topics that we need to talk about. Um, but yeah, the, the, sorry, the, at the end of the season, these, you say, these points will all add up and hopefully we'll be at least in the top 10 and we can, you know, be in a position in the last five games of the season. I don't know what those games are, but if we are, you know, a couple of points behind seventh or in seventh or wherever it may be, something around there, let's just go for it because we know that in this period of games, we've taken 16 points from 21. If we do that at the back end of this season and just chip away until then, you're probably going to be knocking on the door, especially because as we've mentioned, your Fulham's Brighton and Brentford's, We've all done really well up until this point, but we know that historically they're probably going to peter away a little bit like Sheffield United did, like mm. other teams have in the past that are probably punching above the weight for half the season. To be fair, like Brentford and Brighton have done anyway in previous seasons, um, but you've got Chelsea who have spent like 450 million or nearly That's half ridiculous. a million pounds in the season, which is disgusting. Um, and who else? Liverpool as well, who I don't think will get uh, European football, but you know. Chelsea could it's um, stiff competition but if we can just say hit the target that we want to hit this season then next season you just add a few more wins onto that and then that's a good points total to try and reach with I don't want to say better players but players that will improve the overall squad players that then have a full pre-season uh, not just like a World Cup break it's you know plenty of positives to look up to and you don't get that feeling now like for example when um, 
Emery's first six games, he took 13 points. And I think Gerard was on 12. Mm. And almost, I remember writing about it and I thought, well, can we make too much of this? Because it's one point more than Steven Gerrard. And Gerrard's, obviously, his tenure did not go well at all at the end. And he finished like nearly the worst uh, win record or whatever it was in the club's history. Um, but this, we know this is different because he's been there and done it before Emery. And the club are giving him full backing, not full control, but a lot of control in terms of the players that we can bring in. There's obviously talk as well of uh, a new director coming into the club as well to work with or above Langer, Johan Langer. Um, that's probably on Emery's request too. So a lot of it is down to the and Emery and I don't think it'd be at the club if we didn't give him that. So that's what fills me with confidence that this isn't just a new manager bounce or whatever it may be. And in the summer, we're going to try for players and maybe not get them out. I think everything that we'll try and do will be on Emery's request, as I say, and we'll mm. get it. And that'll only strengthen us in in the long term. Long term being four years plus, because although managers don't get that long, this is Emery's toy. You know, it's he's got the full backing of Sawiris. And it's really exciting because we know what he can do with clubs that are of similar stature to Villa. Stature in terms of where they are in their domestic leagues, a severe Villarreal play uh, teams like that. He can take them to Champions League semi-finals, winning Europa Leagues. Premier League's a different kettle of fish, granted, but he hasn't had backing like he's had here um, mm-hmm. at those clubs. And the infrastructure, everything there is ready for Emery to um, you know, really make something of this. And what we've seen so far in seven games, seven Premier League games, with a group of players that aren't his, a group of players that are got some Steve Bruce players are still here. Um, Dean Smith, that's uh, Stephen Gerrard's been here as well. Um so it's a it's a mishmash mis- 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 of players. I can't get my words out of players. Plus Alex Moreno. So, um, yeah, really exciting uh, for the future. And it's it's crazy what a wonder win over the bottom of the league can do for you. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, we'll move on to transfers in a sec. I'm going to get I'm going to get too caught up with negative comments on on the side panel over there saying that we're being too negative. We need to smile more under Gerald. We were going nowhere and now look at us. It's like, I understand all that. That's what, that's what we're saying. About 15 minutes ago, I was backing us to get into Europe this season. How much more positive can we get? <laughs> It's just, it's fine margins. We're not quite there yet. We're not the finished product. That's all I'm trying to say. I'm absolutely buzzing with the fact that we've won 1-0 against bottom of the league. And there'll be people that watch this after go, oh, them two are getting a bit carried away. They're only bottom of the league. But that's a potential banana skin that we got past. And it's a win and we move on. And I want to win the next game. And the one after that. And the one after that. And I want to be coming on here every single week talking about wins and wins and wins and wins. I don't know how much more positively I can be about it. Um, just a few negative comments of, winding me up more than I should and in the future I'm probably just going to end up getting rid of the comments panel altogether and for the 90 odd percent of them that are positive and are enjoying the conversation I won't see any of them because I'll be so annoyed about the rest of them um, so we'll finish with transfers and the transfer window there's what 10 days left or so what needs to be done if this is a case of you know do the owners now look at it and go oh maybe we can do, do something this year do they then think we have to open the checkbook to try and make up those next 20 odd points to get into the mid 50s early 60s or do they go right let's kind of consolidate if the right player isn't available let's wait till the summer first of all how would you find that balance between the two approaches and if we are to do any business what do we need do you think yeah uh well we know villa aren't gonna go out willy-nilly and buy a striker because it's a striker and he plays in that position. It's it needs to be the right player for Unai Emery. Um every player that's going to come into the club will be ticked off by Emery, like we've seen with Alex Moreno, John Duran as well. Uh what Villa need in the squad, obviously we need a a striker that is 
more capable right now of challenging Ollie Watkins or playing alongside Watkins or whatever it may be. Uh, I think we do need another winger as well. And uh, a midfielder potentially. I know we've been linked with Gendouzi not to play in that number, uh, in the pivot role to play and challenge the likes of Abuendia and McGinn. Obviously, Gendouzi seems to be the top target, but he's not going to come cheap. And halfway through a season as well, I'm not too sure if we can get that deal done. Maybe some players, especially of his quality, would want to look at it and see how things develop, even though he loves Emery. And the opportunity to play for Villa, obviously, I presume, would be interesting. But at the same time, are Villa going to get into European football within the next two years? It's not a given. Whereas Marseille will probably get Champions League football this season. So, you know, I know Kamara gave gave that up, but mm. we don't know how, Kamara's, how long Kamara's got uh, with us. So it's, I don't know how it's going to. Honestly, I think it depends on players. I think what the main thing is that we won't be signing anyone in January unless it's the right player. So mm. if we don't sign Enduzi this Jan, uh, in January, you can probably bet your bottom dollar that we're going to be speaking to his agents up until the summer, like we did with Diego Carlos and Kamara, uh, or another player that he wants. For example, if this is a main striker target that we're not aware of at the moment, um, we'll be speaking with their agents or whatever their people this month. If that doesn't happen, it will happen in the summer. Um, the only thing is that I would wonder if, as I mentioned before, someone like a Musa Dembele, someone you could bring him for like three million pounds. Oh, yeah, so cheap. You know, you, it's weird, isn't it? You could probably buy him for three million and sell him for 10 million in the summer and then flip <laughs> yeah. seven million quid, like some business, isn't it, football? Um, but I don't think that's a long-term option, in my opinion. You know, prove me wrong sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I think that's those are the three positions that we're looking at right now. Um, I think a right-back as well would we'll probably be on the agenda come the summer mm-hmm. because that's long... I love him and he's going to be 38 the start of next season, but you need a player there that's going to be in Emery's plans. And I'm not sure if that's my cash at the moment. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, the left back situation is obviously sorted in terms of Moreno. If Luca Dean leaves in the summer, then you're probably going to have to bring in another left back though. So there's uh, spinning plates and at centre back as well. Bednarek won't be with us in the summer. He might even get recalled by Southampton this month. Yeah. And, uh, Callum Chambers, I'm not too sure if he's going to feature or if he has a future at the club either. So potentially a centre-back and a right-back and a left-back in the summer. And then you're looking at a midfield. If we don't do it this window, a striker, and potentially a winger as well. So there's a lot of players there. And as I say, they're not going to win this window unless they're the right ones for Unai Emery. And to be fair, that's what the club have been trying to been doing uh, since like, Gerard was appointed and probably hasn't worked particularly like Luca Dean is now out of favour uh, other players are going to come out of favour like Coutinho but under Emery I'd like to think that he's going to get his um, players right his talent ID it seems to be good um, and we'll see how we go but up until the next 10 days there won't be any players coming in unless it's the say it has to be the right player for Emery and we're not going to just spend uh, for the sake of it because that's why we've been in trouble in recent yeah. seasons and that's why we're having to flog players like Asanson and other players uh, and we can't at the moment. So it's, um, you know, you don't want to be in those positions again. We need players that are going to improve the team because if they they need to be better than what we have already, right? We need to try and finish in the top seven. So you need to improve them. And that isn't going to happen in January or it's unlikely to happen in January. So we'll see how we go in the next 10 days and that will then decide whether we can make that push for the top seven, I think, this season or not because we are just too thin for me at the moment. Hmm. What do you make of the way that 
the John Duran deal was done because I've read conflicting reports about one that he was an Emery player because Emery's looked at him in the past and these kind of things. And then another story, I don't know if it's direct from Emery actually in the press conference, I've been a little bit over the place this week, that he was brought um, John Duran by the Villa scouting team as a player they've been looking at for the last six months and trying to get a deal over the line with visits back back and forth to America. And they brought him to Emery and said, what do you think of him? And Emery had the final approval to go, yes, I like the look of him. I've done my research. Let's sign him. How do you how do you assess that approach if that's the way it was done? It's a, it's a Villa signing, but Emery's had the final approval because we've kind of had this situation before where it, you kind of do whatever the sporting director says and you'll kind of go, right, we trust you now. Johan Langer or Suso or whoever and when it doesn't work out we go right well let's just get rid of the sporting director and then we're left with these four or five players that no one wants and no one wants in the first place but you always think well the manager's got to have the final say so if Emery has done his research on John Duran based off the scout reports that Villa provided to him and he still thinks it's a a deal worth doing because he's in control of the final decision that's almost like for the first time you sit back and go that's how a football club is supposed to go the scouts do the work, present it to the current manager. He does his research and says yes or no. And then if it doesn't work out for the player or the Emery or the scouting department, you've then got several people who are, are responsible for bringing that player to the club and not just going, well, Suso likes this player from the Spanish second division and now we're stuck with this guy who no one wants. Yeah, I mean, firstly, yeah, Emery will have the final say in all the transfers that come in because, say, this is his thing now. He's He's... He's been given control and has been empowered by Sawiris, and that's a big factor of why he even joined the club in the first place. In terms of Duran, mm. Villa, we know have been or had been scouting him. I think it's probably about halfway through his time in the MLS because he's only been he was only in the MLS for one season, and their season mm. I think starts in the winter, our winter, so around about now, and then ends in obviously later in the year. Um, and they were scouting him about midway through the season, so they're obviously aware of him Villa up until Emery came in, but before. Duran signed for Chicago Fire from, I forget what the club's called in Colombia now. Um, no idea. Yeah, there was it was Club Rouge, a couple of Spanish clubs, including Villarreal, who obviously Emery was working mm. at and would have, again, had a big say on transfers being at Villarreal. Um, so he was obviously aware of John Duran before he came to Villa. And then it's probably a nice um, sort of collaboration, I suppose, now that he's come to Villa and said, oh, this strike is also on our radar. And um, sort of matched up well, I suppose, which, which is obviously a very good thing because it's, you know, directors and uh, scouts, etc., and head coach all combined on why it's clearly got a big future. As you say, like you look at, like, I don't know, like a Jed Spence at Tottenham and Conte, the first thing he said about him was, it's not my signing. And that's, yeah. that is just massive friction. And although he doesn't have to say it, you know, it's good to know that Emery clearly. Uh, is aware of him and was looking at him previously as well. And he looks like a sort of Emery type of player as well. You know, a, a powerful player that can run in behind. And there's a, clearly got something about him as well. So we'll see how he develops. And it's a lot of money that Villa has spent. That was the one thing that did shock me about it. I wasn't particularly shocked that we'd signed the player because you say Emery uh, was aware of him, Villa have done scouting as well. And we haven't sort of bro- uh, we haven't got that strike at the moment. That I think that we can sort of pin a hat on in a few years and be like, okay, you know, obviously Rory Wilson, but he's too young, he's 17 at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's good to know that he's going to be coming through and yeah, it was a big shock by the uh, transfer fee, but 
that's kind of added to my excitement, I suppose. Yeah, uh, I or not, but because he's nearly 20 million quid, you kind of think, oh, he must be good. Yeah, um, <laughs> that, was my, that was my assessment when I saw the tweet. They like, asked him they're delighted to announce, and I was thinking, yeah. I'll click this link, and it'll say he's been loaned back out or he's you know signed to play in the, the under-21s or something. And you go, oh, my God, 18 million. Oh, the only thing I would say that must be good. Although that's a lot of money, how many times have not just Villa fans, but any any clubs said, "Ah, oh, look at Brighton, who are they signing?" You know, just nab their players. Or when Brentford were in the Championship and now, oh, who are they getting? Yeah. Uh, like Toma guy, like he's worth probably like thirty plus million now, and he's only scored a couple of goals, but he's clearly a class player. It's just cutting out the middleman because John Duran would have gone to Benfica if it wasn't for us, probably, and they would have flogged him for you know tens of million pounds, like they have done with Nunes, like they will with this Gonzalo Ramos player that they've got mm. as well. Um, it's like a never-ending conveyor belt of players that these clubs seem to be, you know, getting. So if Villa can jump on that and get, a, you know, not luck, but can do their research and, you know, nabbing, you know, where Brighton have signed Moises Casado from Ecuador, how have they spotted him? You know, we're trying to now get onto that and do our own sort of, you know, we, we've got a huge academy um, and players are always coming through there, but there's nothing wrong with paying uh, big money for youngsters that are clearly promising as well. You know, the club gets over like 120 million pounds every year from the Premier League. Let's you know invest in some more uh, promising youth, and it's just say not be on the end of a conversation where it's oh you need to pay 50 million for this player because yeah. he's had a good years in Serie A. Uh, and the striker market as well, not to go on, is really bad. Like Skamaka, for example, gone to West Ham, had mm. one really good decent year in Serie A in Italy, and he's like 30 plus million. And then doesn't play very well for them. Halle didn't play well for West Ham previously. Uh, who else has gone for big money? Nunes, 85 million. It's a crazy market. Tammy Abraham's probably like 40 million. And he's only scored three goals this year or less than that now. Um, so, yeah, to pay 20 million for a youngster isn't the end of the world. Danny Ings, we signed for nearly 30 and he um, only scored 13 goals. So, yeah, he's got bags of uh, ability, Durant. So, hopefully, in a couple of years, he can continue to develop. Yeah, totally agree. He, like you say, that's the good phrase for it, cutting out the middleman. Instead of going to Brighton or Brentford or, like you say, some some club from Portugal who's who's done well with a, a young kid from South America, go to South America ourselves. Again, doing things the, the right way, how a proper club should operate. Um, I think that's pretty much it for today. We'll, we'll call it a day there because I, I don't want to get too involved in transfers, although it's only 10 days or so to the, the end of the window. Um just quickly to round off, I'm pretty sure this will be my last podcast now for a couple of weeks as I'm due to go on paternity leave literally any day, <laughs> in theory. Um, I'm working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I've got a couple of days off at the end of the week, and then it should be baby time. Um, so <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I'm having three weeks off, I think. So I was trying to work out what date I might be back. I'll definitely miss the Leicester game. I might be back for the Man City one. I'm not sure. It might be after that. I can't remember. Depends when the dates kind of um, line up. So yeah, for anyone who's bored of my negativity, you all won't be on the podcast for the next few, few weeks anyway. So enjoy it while I'm not here. For those who actually do um, care about what I've got to say, then yeah, I'll be back soon. Um, but yeah, John, Ash, and Matt will be holding the fort for a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, a couple of games maybe deadline day episode. If we sign anyone, I'll be expecting you to jump on and, and do a podcast as I would be. Um, so I will spend the next week or so trying to persuade my other half to call him Baby Unai or Baby <laughs> Ollie or whatever, <laughs> whatever I can get away with. Um, actually, I've been meaning to show these on the podcast for ages, and I forget every time. And I put them right in front of me today, so I remembered. For Christmas, I was given this from my partner's uh, mum. 
uh, it was handy to buy something. I was going to find try and find a link so if anyone was interested, they could get one because they're really nice. Yeah. But she made whoever this woman was who made them made a little baby version as well. That's I've good. got a, a villa hat for me and a villa hat for little baby you and I. So <laughs> I'll uh, I'll finish the podcast with my nice villa hat on. I will be wearing this at Villa Park at some point when I eventually get back to the uh, back to the games. We'll see see how things go. If you had to pick a baby name right now. I know you're not pregnant or anything. If you had to pick a baby name and it was a Villa-related name and I put you on the spot, who would you go for? I'm looking I'd, for go with John. I'd go with John, but put an H in, in front of the O, John Duran. There we go. <laughs> John Townley, spelt J-H-O-N. There we go. Um, yeah, so thank everyone for the well wishes in the comments. Um, it's going to be a couple of weeks where I'm not around I will sleep very little I won't be watching Villa probably so um, I don't know when I'll come back and I won't even know what's going on but if you guys if you guys are talking about Villa winning another couple of games all is well with the world for me uh, so John thank you very much for joining me thanks yeah. everyone for tuning in as always we appreciate all your comments good or bad uh, I suppose that's subjective uh, thank you very much for watching I, uh, like I said I'll be working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday so if anything does happen in theory, I should be here to, to do the podcast, but it, as I said, anything could happen over the next few days. Um, so if something does happen, it might be you and Ash or you and Matt or Neil might come back or Max Stokes or whoever. If we need help, we've got a little bit of a community that we can go to. So thank you very much, everyone, for watching. If I don't see you in the next couple of weeks, goodbye. This is it. Um, I might be back. I might not be. Uh, yeah, so we'll see where Villa are. Maybe we'll eventually have moved out of 11th place in the table by the time I come back and we'll have climbed a few places at last. Uh, so thanks for watching. Thanks for tuning in as always. If you're watching this on Catch Up and on Spotify, uh, leave reviews, YouTube comments, like, subscriptions, all those kind of things. They really do help and will help the lads out over the next few weeks as well. Um, yeah, John, thank you for joining me. I know you've uh, jumped back on your after your shift ended at three o'clock. So <laughs> thanks for coming back to talk about the villa. Um, yeah, we'll see you, well, the guys will see you very soon and I'll see you in a few weeks. So cheers, everyone. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your thoughts and comments. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.